Again, we welcome you out this morning. Glad to be able to worship with you folks on the first day of the week. It's nothing better than to come out and have some good singing and a study of God's Word. We're just grateful that you're here. We're going to read a few verses in Psalm 119 uh, to start our thinking for the next few minutes. Psalm 119, in verse 20, uh, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in our Bible, and I guess appropriately it's dedicated to the Word of God. David talking about God's Word and the benefits of it. In verse 20 he says, My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. And in verse 25, My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. In verse 28, my soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. And in, back in verse 14, in the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. The psalmist extolling the word of God. He longs for it. It gives him life. It's just like water that we need to sustain life. It gives him strength. It, it is more desirable than riches, David tells us. We go, to, we go to school and somewhere along the way you probably learned about the basic needs for life. Man's basic needs. We need food because our bodies require nutrition. And if we don't get food and water, we will wither away and die at some point. And we need clothing uh, because we don't have blubber like whales and we don't have fur coats like polar bears. And, and we, we gotta wear something to protect us from the cold and from the sun and the ice and the snow and the rain. And we need shelter, food, clothing, shelter. You know, we need a roof over our head for the same cause. But David argues there's a fourth basic need of man, and that is the Word of God. Or as Jesus uh, replies to Satan in Matthew 4 and verse 4, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so the question to consider this morning, do we need the Bible, or why do we need the Bible? And we were having a conversation in the intermission back there in the back that some people look at this and they just see it as a work of literature like Gone with the Wind or War and Peace or anything else. That this is just a, you know, this is an old timey collection of quaint little stories and fairy tales. Or, or this is just a, a literary work that people have dreamed up. And, and yeah, you can read it if you want to, but it, you really shouldn't build your life around it. Because it, none of it's real. It's just fiction. A lot of people think that about the scriptures. Now, if, if you've come out to this room this morning and you've invited me to speak to you, I think you know what my answer to the question is. Do we need the Bible? My answer is going to be yes, emphatically, we do need the Bible. So we're, we're going to think about some reasons why we need the Bible. Number one, we need the Bible because it reveals God to us. It tells us about our Creator. The, the Bible starts with God. Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And, and 
God is already existent in existence because He's eternal in His nature. And, and, and the Bible, you know, uh, there at, at the very start, God is there and God is the prime motivating force behind the creation and sustainment of the universe. And we can look at various scriptures that point to that creation, that universe, as, as proof for God's existence. One of those is Romans chapter 1. Uh, Romans chapter 1 and verse 20, where Paul makes the statement, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Paul says if, we, if we're going to be an atheist and not believe in God, we are without excuse. Because the evidence for God is just screaming at us from all around us. Everything from the stars in the night sky to the tiniest insects to the intricacy of, of a little flower blossom to the complexity of our human bodies, it all testifies of order and organization and intelligence. And we can't look at anything that we have created that, that demonstrates our intelligence and say that it just happened somehow by accident. You want to take apart a computer or an automobile or a watch or, or anything else that we have made and say, well, that, that just sort of happened by itself somehow. There, there was nobody that created that thing. No, it just doesn't make any sense. And so I can look at the orderliness of nature and the interdependencies and the, the uh, complexities of how life all flows together harmoniously and I can learn that God exists, but that doesn't tell me anything about what He wants. Well, what does God think of me? Why did God create me? What, what is God's purpose in all of this? Well, we have to look to the Word to see that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul uh, comments there about the Word that he preaches and the origin of it. In 1 Corinthians 2 and at verse 10, he says, uh, These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit uh, who is from God. So that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. What, what am I thinking about right now? Glenn, what, what, what am I thinking about? Tell me. I'm thinking about a big hamburger I might have after one. No, I, you don't have any idea, do you? And I don't know what you're thinking. There's only one way for you to know what I'm thinking, and that is for me to tell you. Either verbally or to write it down and hand it to you and you read it. And I can look at the universe 
And I can understand that we didn't just get here by accident and dumb luck, that we were created by somebody, but I don't know anything beyond that. And so, so the Spirit, Paul said, has revealed to us the mind of God. What is on God's mind? Uh, surely that's of importance to us, to know what the Creator of the heavens and the earth wants, what He expects, what He thinks. Yeah, that, that, that's why David says this is worth more than rubies and gold and, and treasures. This is the very mind of God revealed to us. We need the Bible because it tells us about God. And we need the Bible because it is, in fact, the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17, you could probably quote it or paraphrase it. Paul reminds Timothy that uh, all Scripture, I've got a new book here and the pages don't want to come apart for me. He says all Scripture is God-breathed. It's inspired of God and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. These words are God-breathed. God-breathed. Now, God did not part the clouds and a, and a big hand reach down and hand somebody this as one complete work with a binding and a cover. Of course not. The Bible is a collection. It's a library of written works written by a whole lot of people over a great span of time. But the Apostle Peter talks to us about that process that God used there in 2 Peter 1. And down at verse 19, Peter says, We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. And you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The prophets down through time, be it Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, be it New Testament writers, Peter, James, John, they, they were carried along by the Spirit. They were moved by the Holy Spirit to, to write these words down for us. And they've been assembled over time and handed down. And, and that causes some people pause. I've had a person tell me in the past, well, you know, this, this has been copied and recopied and recopied and translated and retranslated so many times that it can't be reliable. You have no idea what was originally the intent. Oh, we do have the, the idea. You ever heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls? I mean, there, there are all kinds of old manuscripts that date back thousands of years that we can compare to this, and this is reliable. These are the same words that were originally penned by those writers as the Spirit moved them. Now, why did God choose to give us the word in writing? I mean, He did verbally speak to some people down through history. We have record of that. But, but, but it needs to be written down because... Verbal records can be changed. People's memories are not perfect. 
And, and so, uh, you know, why, why doesn't God just speak to everybody directly? I, I don't have all the answers to that. Maybe he wants to, th to separate out those who will actually go to the effort to read and, and to meditate and to think versus those who don't have an interest in such things. That was the case of Jesus' parables many times. Was, was to actually separate the thinkers from the others who, who just, uh, you know, brushed it aside and didn't think about it. We need the Bible because it's revealed from God. Gal Galatians chapter 1, Paul says, verse 11, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by the revelation from Jesus Christ. Paul didn't go to a seminary to learn the gospel. It, it was given to him directly from the mind of God. Our creator. The one that we will give account to when our time here is finished. It's imperative that we know what it says. It's the ultimate instruction manual for the human race. We need the Bible because it answers questions that we all have. It answers life's most basic questions. Where did we come from? How, how did we get here? Well, God tells us. Where did we come from? He created us. He, he made us. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. God said, let us make mankind in our image. In our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Which is the bigger leap of logic? To believe that we were created by an intelligent being and given life? Or to believe that everything suddenly came from nothing and then the everything of its own accord somehow sparked life and then the life of its own accord through random genetic mutations over billions of years went from a single cell to multi-cells to a invertebrate to a vertebrate to fish, reptiles, mammals, and eventually primates and eventually us. I think it's much easier to believe that we were created by an intelligent being. Where do we come from? Where are we going? People ponder the nature of life and, and, and ponder if there's life after death and things of that nature and God tells us of course. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7, very simple statement. Uh, Solomon says that the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to God who gave it. My body, your body, it's made from the same stuff that's in the ground, planet earth, the same minerals. It's going to be separated from that eternal spirit at some point and that spirit goes back to God who provided it. What is our purpose? Why are we here? Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. This is the duty of all mankind. 
The Bible answers our questions about life. Where did we come from? Where are we going? Why are we here? What? Back my slide up. How should I treat other people? How, how do I get along with my fellow human being? How do I have a, a good marriage? <laughs> A good family life. How, how, do, how should I raise my children? How can I find happiness and meaning in life? How do I, especially this one, how do I deal with the adversity? When, when bad things happen, when difficult days happen, how do I deal with those things? God tells us. This book answers all these questions for us. This book holds up for us the greatest moral standard of conduct in the history of the world. And if we'll, if we'll just do what it says, we'll have a, a life of peace and joy and harmony with others. We, we need the Bible because it challenges us to be better. Most of our laws in, in Western society come from Judeo-Christian teachings that we find in the scriptures. The Ten Commandments and, and, and Jesus' teachings in the New Testament are, are the basis for how we get along with each other. We, we are called to, as Christians to walk by a higher standard. In 1 Peter 2, and starting at, at verse 9, the apostle says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they may accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Peter talks about living on a higher level of living than the world around us. Just, just close your eyes for a second and, and just picture in your head a world in which all seven billion of us on this globe, we all strive to live by the teachings of the Bible. If everyone attempted to live by the teachings of Jesus and the apostles, what kind of a world would we have? All the horrors going on in Ukraine right now wouldn't be a problem. People wouldn't be waging war against other nations. We, we wouldn't have to spend billions and billions of dollars building nuclear submarines and intercontinental ballistic missiles and, and, and fighters and bombers and all those things. I mean, we, we could still have a military for humanitarian purposes. All, all the uh, issues we have in our society with drugs and, and, and all the you know, things that filter out from drug and substance abuse problems, that'd all be gone. We, we could take care of that. And, and all the stress and the trials that come from divorce and broken families, that, that'll be gone and 
every little kid would have a mommy and a daddy and they could grow up in a, in a good environment and, and be, I mean, just all, so many problems in life would just go away if we would just follow the teachings of Christ. They're laid out in this book. Oh, get that away from me. I don't want anything to do with that book. That's the attitude much of the world has. And this is the answer to everything right here. If we just read it and do it, life would be so much better. Colossians chapter 3. And the first three or four verses where, where Paul, just like Peter... He, he encourages us as Christians to elevate our thinking, to, to live for a higher purpose, a higher calling. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Do we need the Bible? Yeah, we need the Bible because it presents our Savior to us. Because God wants us to know about his Son. And what his Son has done for us. You know, we, we studied in, in the Bible class earlier about Jesus and the Gospels and, and the variety of opinions that people had about Jesus and, and asking, who is he? Who is this? Well, look, look at what the Apostle John starts his first epistle with. 1 John chapter 1. And he says there, uh, explaining why he's writing, he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. John says, we, we saw him. We saw him with our own eyes. We, we heard him speak and, and we touched him. He, he wasn't a fairy tale. He wasn't a hallucination. He, he was real and, and we touched his hand and we heard him speak to us. And he's the son of God, the Messiah. And he's eternal like his father is. Peter, likewise, 2 Peter 1. And at verse 16, Peter says, We did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. And then Peter transitions into those sentences we read a minute ago about the prophets and how the prophets wrote about Jesus by inspiration. But Peter says, we, did, we had more than that. We saw him. And we heard the voice of God speak from heaven. We were eyewitnesses. And these men... They didn't gain 
money by running around claiming to be eyewitnesses to the Son of God. They, they didn't gain fame and fortune. What happened to them? They all died because of it. Because of the story that they clung to and would not give up because it was true. Because it was true. As, as we read over there in the prior hour in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, John said, Jesus did a whole lot of things that we didn't write down but we wrote these things down. These things were, were documented so that you could read the evidence and believe that he's the son of God. We need the Bible because the Bible tells us about our Savior. And we need the Bible because it presents how to be saved. It tells us how to be reconciled back to God because we've, we've sinned against him. Paul refers to the gospel as God's power to salvation. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Paul's willing to go to prison for the gospel. Paul's willing to die at the hands of Roman executioners for the gospel. Why? It's the power of God. It's the power of God. You know, we, we don't see miracles today. Those were reserved to the first century to validate the teachings of the scriptures. But we, we have the power of God right here in our hands. The gospel changes people. It changed Paul. Paul went from a zealous persecutor of Christianity to its greatest defender. Why? Because of the power of these words. And Paul's not the only one. These, this book has transformed countless lives over the centuries of time. It, it is God's power to save. And it's for every person, for every human being. Mark 16, verses 15 and 16, Jesus sends the apostles out on their commission and he tells them to go and to preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized will be saved. He that believes not will be condemned. And the message at Pentecost. As Peter preaches about Jesus and presses the case to them that he was the Messiah that was prophesied of old, that he was raised from the dead, that he is at God's right hand. And they, add, they, they are convicted with the guilt of their sins. In verse 37, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that message is still valid, just as valid today as it was 2,000 years ago. The Bible is not mythology. It's not a book of useless 
fairy tales. It's valuable. It's the mind of God breathed down to us. It, it gives us guidance. It, it tells us why we're here. It tells us where we're going. It tells us how we can be for eternity with our Creator. And we're going to sing the song of invitation that was selected. And if you're here this morning, we can help you to become a disciple of Jesus, the Son of God, by obeying His teachings found in, in this book that we have been blessed with. And we would invite you to come while we stand and sing.